Jackie is going to join us in a few moments. Well, this will be the second time that we've had Jackie and Vern Draper with us uh, on Wanderings. And Vern, the first time was, what, almost seven, eight years ago? At least. <laughs> What's happened between those times? Well, we would really want to find out what happened before. So, first of all, you moved in about how many years ago? About how many years ago did you move in? To oh, uh, 14 and a half on my wife's birthday. Oh, what a big day. <laughs> <laughs> and you're in the same room. All those years you've been in the same room. Yes. When your granddaughters helped you move. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> Uh, uh, a granddaughter who had lived across the street from us and was in our house a great deal came and she established the kitchen. So has everything stayed the same since she established that kitchen? Yes, it has. She did a good job. <laughs> she knew where everything was going. She did. Salt and pepper and all the can. <laughs> all the pans. Now I want to ask you a question, and I probably should wait for Jackie, but you get a head start. What does 2N mean to you? 2N? It's not second floor north. I don't it has something know. to do with West Suburban Hospital. Ah, yes. <laughs> I met my wife <clears throat> on New on 2 North in the West Suburban Hospital in Oak Park, Illinois. It was early October and <clears throat> I'd have to stop, I'd have to take a minute to figure, 1952 or 53. Mm. And, uh, you were in medical school? I was in medical school. Believe it or not, I was working a part-time job outside to uh, make ends meet. My father, my family were not wealthy, and uh, the thought of sending a son to medical school caused my mother to almost faint when I told her that was my ambition. It's many years of work and money and study. Uh, yeah. But where was Jackie at this time? Well, she was in nursing school at West Suburban, and she was in her third year. Well, how did you meet her? On 2 North. <laughs> I, I walked in one evening about 7 o'clock, and uh, here was this beautiful set of blue eyes and uh, I we would say that it was love at first sight 
something we did, really didn't believe in. <laughs> but what were the nurses supposed to do? Were they supposed to encourage this kind of... Uh... <laughs> no, it was breaking uh, the rules for her. Seems like I remember she came in to change a bedpan or something. And <laughs> I, no. I hope that went satisfactorily <laughs> Well, she, she was the head of the Nurses Association or something? She was she president of the uh, uh, student body. Yeah. Uh, and we were, uh, how should I say, we were careful about uh, how we met and so on, so as not to be a problem. You were very discreet. We were very discreet. And how many years have you been married now, Vern? 69. Oh, is you have a 70th now this, this year? 70th anniversary? No, it'll be the 69th, I think. 69th this year. Yeah. Well, congratulations. That's. And how many children do you have? We have four children. All of them retired. What an achievement. <laughs> yes. We are proud of each one of them. They have you been... To, you get to see them quite often, don't you? Although they live in different parts of... One in Massachusetts, one in Washington State, uh, one we're not quite sure because they sold their house and have spent a year traveling and now they're coming back to Colorado. We think they will set, settle in northern Colorado. Is that the sun in Estes Park? Yes. They, they're renting in Estes Park uh, for four months beginning in mid-February. It's I'd, a beautiful... I'd, go ahead, Sandy. Oh, I was saying that's just a beautiful area. They're very fortunate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it is. Uh, I, I'd like to say something about the feeling of being called. Uh, you talked about, you and Jackie talked about that when we talked with you shortly ago, and... Uh, there were several times within your careers that you felt called. And one of the times was a place um, when you were at the, well, the medical school, and I don't know what stage you were at, when the Arabian mission of the Reformed Church in America called you to do something. Now, were you, you were a doctor at that point. Yes, I had just uh, graduated from, or was in the spring of the year when I graduated that we met the uh, RCA mission board. Uh, the calling uh, for me uh, began in high school when I uh, felt that I was being called to serve as a missionary, and I had no idea where that might be. I thought it might be uh, in South America, but I was open to God's call wherever. And that ended up to be? And it turned out to be Arabia, yes. And in the world at that time, um, 
a lot was going on, and I don't know if you questioned this call. Never. That really tells us a lot about you and Jackie. You know, uh, I'm going to interrupt for just a second because we have a shortage of microphones in the radio today. So Bern and Jackie are sharing a microphone. So if you hear these lulls, just know what's going on. Here's Jackie. One thing that I'd like to make clear is that we came from such different backgrounds. Bern had never had Bern had never heard, seen, or met or heard a missionary speak. I had been raised in the parsonage, and we had missionaries in our home all the time. So I was so impressed by his clear call by from God that he was to go and be a missionary for him. Now through this story, we're going to hear more about different calls that you had because there were people that might challenge you for doing this stuff. And I think, did you have one child with you, Bern? We, we went overseas with our first child, who was a year and a half at the time we left. Is that the time you went on the freighter? That was on the freighter, From New yes. York City to Kuwait? From New York City to Kuwait, yes. Well, how was it? <laughs> it was uh, an amazing experience, and one which we uh, uh, wished we could live over. But when we were at a stage where we could uh, contemplate, contemplate doing that kind of travel, a travel agent told us that it was not at all recommended because of uh, so frequently freighter passengers got detained because of uh, uh, so the suspicion of drugs being brought in by that particular boat. Oh. And we didn't need to be stuck in limbo somewhere because of that. Well, that was kind of a breathtaking moment to hear that kind of news and that you would even <laughs> have considered. How many, how many days did it take from New York City to Kuwait? It was six weeks. Six weeks? It normally would not have been nearly that long, but it came uh, just at the time that there was uh, marked turbulence in the Middle East. The English and uh, French had bombed the Suez Canal about a week after we went through. We didn't know it for quite a long while after that. Um, there was not much in the way of news available on a freighter. Did you make many stops along the way? You must have. Yes. Uh, to take that long. We stopped in Beirut. were there a couple of days. Got to go out and see a little bit of the city. We stopped in Aden on the south point of uh, the Arabian Peninsula. Then... Uh, we stopped in Bahrain for a 
very short time. Then we went to Zahran in the uh, in, uh, in Saudi Arabia. We were there for two weeks, watching the sun come up and the sun go down, and the sun come up and the sun go down, with nothing to do. Well, that sounds pretty boring. But Jackie, you said that uh, they didn't give you much direction in what to take along. That was something that was completely missed. Um, we missed because there were things we shouldn't have done and things we should have done. For instance, in the Middle East, when you are very careful when you cross your legs so that you don't point, point your foot at the other person. That's, that is not something we worry about in America, but it's pretty strong in the Middle East. That sent a message of some type. <laughs> that you didn't like that person. Um, also, what we were to expect, what we should do if there was a civil war where we were, what, what were we to do? We learned things that, uh, that we had never heard before. So it was a learning experience. By the way, Mary gained seven pounds on the trip because every time she was out on deck, she was very friendly with the captain and the engineer, and they always had cookies for her. <laughs> well, now you were learning Arabic at this. At this, had you started your Arabic? No, not yet. We didn't learn Arabic until we got to. We didn't start learning Arabic until we got to Basra, Iraq. And how did you learn Arabic? Uh, we had local teachers, and the thing that was most helpful, for me anyway, was a book that one of the older missionaries had published on learning colloquial Arabic. That was very helpful. And Bern, you were good at, at hearing the various sounds? Well, I had something of a gift in uh, learning languages. And one that I hadn't known I had, but I found it fairly easy to mimic. That's hard to understand. <laughs> it was such a different language. From well, different people have here. different gifts. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and there would be different inflections, wouldn't there, on the words? Oh, my, yes. Where, wherever <laughs> yes. you moved. Uh, yes, as I uh, arrived in Amara, 120 miles north of Basra, our first base, I walked into a government office and greeted the official in Arabic, and he said, Ah, oh, you're a Basrawi. <laughs> uh, oh, how did he know I was from Basra? <laughs> but I had uh, learned the Arabic that I had at that time in Basra, so I spoke it like the Basrawis. <laughs> well, you probably have uh, many different dialects. To yes, every, every place had uh, uh, a different colloquial language. 
and we, so we had to learn some different ones. They were they were quite different. Lebanese coming to uh, Iraq from Palestine at that time had uh, great difficulty in understanding the Arabic that the people of Iraq spoke. Well, tell us a little bit about the economy, the oil, and what was happening uh, when you got there. What was the state of the economy? And well, it seemed it seemed fairly peaceful when we got there. Uh, there was we were unaware of it, but in Oman, uh, there was a something of a civil war going on. It wasn't too. Uh, too uh, bad because they didn't have any modern weapons except they had a few and uh, a few uh, landmines which which brought us in some uh, patients to the hospital uh, in, a, in Oman now, so you were associated with a clinic in the hospital or in the hospital itself? Yes, our uh, mission uh, had five stations, or was it six? And there were hospitals in all but one of those. Uh, so we were at first in uh, Basra in southern Iraq, the Iraqi uh, seaport. 100 miles north of the head of the Persian Gulf on the uh, Shat al-Arab, uh, which is the Arabic name for the conjoined Tigris and Euphrates rivers. Mm. Well, in one of the countries that you were in, you were about the only doctor, weren't you? In, in Oman, there were no other doctors outside our hospital. Uh, at that time, and for the first time, we had five doctors in our mission hospital. The country was the size of uh, Minnesota and was uh, had no doctors. Where did the other doctors go? There had never been any. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you were the one and only? We were the only source of uh, modern medicine in the country. There must have been a long line out your out your door there. We did keep busy, yes. I can imagine. <laughs> the transportation wasn't very good in the country, so uh, people didn't come in to see us from long distances unless they were really in great trouble or thought thought themselves to be. And who did you see most? What kind of problems were people having at that time? Just a variety like we would have any place? Uh, well, f for the total, uh, the entire group, it was um, uh, uh, the whole spectrum. We had uh, one hospital, and when saying how many hospitals we had, 
uh, we uh, considered the two hospitals in Oman to be one. Uh, one for women and children was in Muscat, and two and a half miles away uh, was uh, the general hospital that saw everybody except obstetric patients, labor patients. Um, my assignment was to uh, take care of pregnant women and children, and but I also uh, participated in the general clinics uh, two days a week. So I was in clinics in the women's hospital three days and in the general hospital two days. Did you do surgery too? Oh my, yes. OBGYN <laughs> surgery? Every, everything Every imaginable, but I did the OBGYN surgery. Um, How did you witness the Arab treatment of pregnant women? Well, there was no care. There was not even uh, granny midwives in Oman. So uh, we saw some horrific things that occurred because there was no prenatal care. No care for pregnant women outside our hospital. When when a woman went into labor, all her friends came and sat around her, and uh, uh, talked and carried on and encouraged uh, <laughs> until it was over. Well, uh, the last time we interviewed you, which was some years ago, you were telling the story of. Uh, a woman giving birth, and our system went down, and we never did find out what happened to the to the mother or the child until the following week. So, some, the people that are new here at Holly Creek did not experience this. But Byrne, refresh us a little bit as to what happened to, in that particular case. In that particular case, and it was one of the major reasons I decided later to do a residency in obstetrics and gynecology. It, <clears throat> this woman went into labor in a village about 12 miles away from our hospital. She uh, began labor late in the day, ten, sometime ten to midnight. Uh, things progressed appropriately for a while, and then it stopped, and she did not progress. And the people literally jumped up and down on her abdomen. They pushed. They did everything they could think of, and still she did not have a baby. So at dawn, a uh, neighbor walked 12 miles into uh, the city and uh, got a taxi. The taxis were all old Land Rovers. There were no roads. 
the the springs were stiff and the ride was awful. So she was brought in uh, in the back of this Land Rover. Uh, she got in about eight o'clock in the morning. Uh, was brought into the labor room at the women's hospital in Muscat. She, uh, the nurse evaluated her and nurse midwife, I should say, and came across. She came across the uh, uh, patio and uh, to tell me about the patient. I walked back across, and by the time in that short time, the patient had gone into shock. So we started an IV and got her out of shock. Then I scrubbed up and with a gentle pressure, uh, the baby's head had been born, but they couldn't get it. And with the gentlest pressure on the head in the right direction, the baby was born with ease. The baby was lost, the mother was almost lost because there was no one available who knew how to deliver a baby. It inspired me to go into the field. So when you came back to the States, you had a doctor that helped? When I came back to the state, I took a residency like every other obstetrician. Three, three more years. Any count on how many babies you've delivered? I don't know exactly. I never kept the records. Didn't have time to. Probably <laughs> many, many, many. But uh, sleep was more important to me than... <laughs> but uh, I estimate that I have delivered 3,500. Oh, my goodness. goodness. Well, Jackie, did you have a baby when you were over there? Yeah. We went overseas with Mary, who was two, and the next year we had Mark in Amara, Iraq, and two years later we had Dirk, who was born in Muscat, Oman. Well, did you have some good care? Yes. <laughs> you must have had some I, I was. The f it was the first baby born in Oman, and everybody thought it was so special, but... I walked home two hours after my delivery. No way. After <laughs> after Dirk was circumcised, I was home again to find out my cook had quit. <laughs> and so oh. we were back to square one. <laughs> but with another child in the household. <laughs> well, yes. you were a nurse, uh -huh. so you knew I, what was going on and I how had, to help yourself. Yes, I had thought I would be a nurse working in the hospital, but we could not find an ayah who was a believer. We, I, I had left um, Mary with one of the ayahs, and when I came home from my language lesson, um, she, Mary could say. Mary could say the whole Muslim prayer. 
Sobern said, that's it. We didn't have come here to have our children become Muslims. And I did teaching. I started a children's Bible club. I did a, all kinds of different things. Well, you use your time beautifully at, under very unusual circumstances. Um, and Bern, tell me one more story about uh, an unusual call that you were making. Um, I think it had to do with leprosy. Leprosy. Oh, well, yes. Leprosy was in the um, in the diseases that we saw. I had now seen a case, and then I one day in clinic there was a woman with uh, leprosy. I uh, made the diagnosis told her, started her on treatment, and the next day, maybe uh, even the same day, a policeman knocked on our door and I went to the door to... Uh, Wonderful seeing you. Thank you so much.